This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Yeah, so we I mean, we signed I think twenty twenty one guys uh, in December. Um, it was a, a rush to get to all the home visits. Now we've got to close out on another five uh, guys in this signing class. But we're also doing junior recruiting. Uh, and anybody that follows me on social media, it's at Coach Collins. By the way, <laughs> um, uh, you know you see the helicopters were going all week. You know, going uh, four or five high schools a day in and around Atlanta. Uh, so we're trying to see as many guys as we can. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to Prospects 101, brought to you by Blue Wire Pods and Bet Online. This is the show where we discuss and analyze football prospects on all levels beyond the industry standard, high school, college, and the NFL draft. You name it, we cover it. You can follow and interact with us on all social media accounts at Prospects 101. And this is the Recruiting Roundup, your weekly Friday morning program bringing you all the news based on this week's recruiting. I'm Kenny Keller, and I'm joined by my co host, Brandon Glessner. Hey, what's going on, everyone? And I'm also joined by Brandon Pastel. What a great week for recruiting this past week. I love it. Lots of lots of hot topics, and more than and more than just your standard, you know, a five star or four star signed here. Actually, the biggest news of the week is probably JT Daniels announcing he's transferring to Georgia. What a bombshell, guys! Like the the number one quarterback prospect two years ago reclassified to get to enroll at USC early starts as a true freshman a 17 year old true freshman and then gets hurt and loses his job to Keaton Slovis who absolutely exploded for USC last year and now he ends up at Georgia Pastel what are your thoughts on that how awesome for Georgia Georgia just got first of all Georgia team is good I know they just lost a few players to the NFL draft but Georgia's team is good and now the only thing that they were missing was a quarterback. So they got Jamie Newman, a guy that was probably going to get drafted in the top for uh, first day or two uh, pick next year in the NFL's draft. So you have to have a guy like JT Daniels come over, who's probably going to have to sit out a year. He's going to backfill Jamie Newman perfectly. I mean, and you can't ask for a better timeline as far as like experienced quarterbacks in Georgia's room when the rest of their team is loaded with talent right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Glass. 
What do you think if he if JT Daniels gets a waiver to play right away, do you think he could beat out Jamie Newman, or do you think it's Jamie Newman's job to lose? No, I think it's Jamie Jamie Newman's job to lose, especially because he'll be a, a, a one year grad transfer in there. But guys, I'm actually impressed by the quarterback room they're gonna have in there. So they're gonna have Jamie Newman, as we said, who he's a he's a proven winner and he's he's a proven quarterback in the power five so far as the, the way he performed at Wake Forest. But you also have Carson Beck, who is one of their headline recruits out of the 2020 class. He was a four-star. Four he was the eighth-best pro-style quarterback in that class. So you've got him coming in. And then you have JT Daniels coming in. So you're going to have a pretty jam-packed quarterback room with tons of talent. Yeah. So I am fascinated to see how this is going to turn out. And it may really set up that quarterback room for the next three, four years where Georgia may get a quarterback recruit here and there. But unless he's a game breaker or Justin Fields, they may be set. No, they do have that guy, Gless. His name is Brock Vandergriff, who they just got this past year, who's a top 12 prospect in all of college football. I mean, this is mm -hmm. almost like reminiscing of what Georgia just did a couple of years ago with Justin Fields, Jake Fromm, and uh, Jacob Eason. I mean, am I, am I wrong on this? Like, they got now the best recruit out of all those guys we just said. I'm pretty sure he was ranked higher than J, JT Daniels is coming in next year. Like, Georgia is going to be freaking loaded at quarterback. Just remember, there's only one guy that can play, though. So that's what's going to be interesting here in the yeah. next three years. Only one guy. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely, I think, like you said, it's Jamie Newman's job to lose. He's probably going to be the starter this year, even if JT were to get a waiver to play early. I don't think he beats out Jamie Newman. And, and look, at the end of the day, Kirby Smart's got to be just so pumped because, yeah, you can only play one of those guys, but... You know, I'd rather have five guys that could start for pretty much any team in the country than only have one guy and have to worry about you know who my backup might be in case one of them goes down. So, if you're a Georgia fan, man, go dogs! You got to be extremely excited right now with with the quarterback situation as it's shaping up to look like. You know, and obviously Georgia always recruits well. And, and speaking of recruiting, the NCAA has extended the dead period due to the, the pandemic to, through July 31st. So what that means is, for anybody who doesn't know, there was a, the, the original deadline was June 30th at, at the dead period. So they essentially ex extended it another month. And what that means is coaches cannot hit the recruiting trail until August at this moment. So until August 1st, you're still doing your recruiting virtually. I think we're still going to see a lot, and, and recruits can't come to the campus either. So that be so, even though players and current athletes are going to be and students are going to be able to return to some of the campuses. You know, we've seen some that are June eighth, June fifteenth. We've seen some that are June thirty first, or, or even mid July. Even though they can start resuming voluntary workouts and getting back on campus, new recruits. They cannot get on campus either. So it's essentially virtual only. So we're just going to be seeing what we've been seeing since really now March. And, and at, you know, it's going to continue to help the teams that have been successful at, at recruiting virtually. And I think we're still going to see a slew of commitments due to this. Yeah, I think that's why Minnesota's still in the top 10 of the, the rankings. They just had, I think, two or three more three-star recruits that committed this past week. And they were ahead of the game above everyone else in this virtual recruiting. They kind of started this before even the coronavirus happen. Mm -hmm. I think this was the, the way forward for recruits to kind of go on this digital marketing of their school. And Minnesota mm -hmm. was very successful with P.J. Fleck at the helm. And this might be a reason why Alabama isn't doing as well right now 
He says, I'm not walking on the campus of Alabama being so shell-shocked at the moment where I have to sign immediately because it's such an, a beautiful and awesome program. And I think it's giving yeah. teams like Minnesota, Iowa, 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 Maryland, and a few other teams a chance, a, a fighter's chance uh, to get into these top 15 rankings. Well, really, it really the big thing it does is it waterfalls. You know, people are people are trying to commit as soon as they can now because they don't know if they're going to lose their spot in line if if guys start committing or if they're good, if there's a run on commits like like at Tennessee a couple of weeks ago where there's just you know five, six, seven, eight, eight commits in eight days and now these it, it really that's what it waterfalls that's where it starts because normally you might have guys wait for their official visits or, or a second visit and now. It doesn't seem like that's going to happen at least until August. And speaking of Alabama, I know they just had a big – they had a four-star recruit commit today. So it looks like they're starting to wake up from their slumber a little bit. I'm, I'm curious as to see if that starts a domino effect of more players uh, committing. But Pardon the interruption while we bring you some awesome news from our exclusive partners. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back. Huh. It's those newest rivalries between Chase Elliott and Kyle Busch. And BetOnline has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24-7. Or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And coming up next Sunday, BetOnline has ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges joining them to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. Blue Chew! Guys, looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds? I don't know which guy isn't. Get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com is the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost, and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. Speaking of, of domino effects and hot teams, Georgia Tech guys, George, Jeff Collins right now is doing a tremendous job recruiting at Georgia Tech. They have a top 25 class currently for the 2021 season. They were ranked 27th, a top 30 class in 2020. They've had a slew of guys just commit recently. They have a three-star tight end, 6'5", local prospect. They had a, a big offensive tackle, a three-star recruit, another three-star tight end from Texas recruit, a three-star quarterback who's a pro-style quarterback from California. As well as you know, this year's four-star prospect Jeff Sims, who he'll be competing with, and 
you know, that gets me to my question for you guys. Obviously, Jeff Collins took over the program from Paul Johnson. Paul Johnson ran the triple option for close to a decade to you know really decent success at Georgia Tech. Jeff Collins is not a triple option disciple. He's not a triple option guy. So he's obviously transitioning from the triple option to another offense right now. And you guys both being well-versed and have played in the triple, triple option your entire lives, your entire high school careers, how easy is it to transfer, to transition from a triple option offense to another offense. Gless, why don't you kick that off? Yeah, I think it's really difficult when to transition when you talk about offensive line play. You know, when you bring in a lot of these offensive linemen that are used to playing in the triple option system, you don't pass block a whole lot, right? It's a lot of down blocking, a lot of firing off the ball. Um, you know, coming in, the, the splits are a little bit tighter. So, to be able to transition your offensive line, to be able to play against the big boys in the ACC, and even in some of their non-conference schedules, is going to be a challenge. And it's going to take a couple years to get his guys in there, especially on the offensive line, to be able to play consistently day in and day out. That's where I think the biggest challenge for him is going to be. Now, if you watch Georgia Tech this past year, one of the things that you'll see is, yeah, they weren't under center running the traditional Paul Johnson, Navy, Army, uh, traditional triple option style, right? They, they were in the shotgun. They were running a lot of option game out of the shotgun because that's the players that they had. So I will be very interest, interested to see how he can do when it comes to recruiting offensive linemen and coaching up the current offensive linemen because that's how they're going to have to – that's how they're going to have to play this recruiting game in order to be competitive in the ACC. Kenny, it's, it's probably the most impossible task you can give to a coach. That being said, it's probably one of the funnest things yep. that I'm sure as long as he has a long leash, if he has four or five years, it's got to be a, a phenomenal challenge for a coach to come into the ACC, a program that has been risen to one of the top programs in the ACC underneath Paul Johnson, and then given the players that he had, not only from a skill standpoint, okay, because we're talking about a quarterback that I need you to be more of a running back. I need you to make reads. I need you to run. And then I just mm-hmm. need you to throw the ball probably three or four times a game. Sometimes they didn't throw the ball at all a game. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're talking about an option offense that is about assignment football. So it's all about making reads from the quarterback. It's all about your receivers blocking. And then you have all these different running backs that, mind you, because you're running the triple op- option offense, you probably have 10 running backs on your team. What does that mean? You don't have tight ends. You don't have the skill type of wide receivers that you need for a prototypical mm-hmm. or spread type of op- op- uh, spread option uh, offense from the shotgun. You got these mm-hmm. re- receivers that are known for blocking. I mean, so you, not only these players don't have the skill set to run this type of offense, the depth, the way it works out from the depth perspective is you have probably 10 running backs, no tight ends, maybe one tight end. You have three or four quarterbacks that all they do is run the ball. And then you have these yep. receivers that most of them can just block. So it's an yes. impossible task for him to come in there. But because of his recruiting classes the last few years, I'm extremely excited to see what he can do. And I, he's definitely another two or three years away from turning that program into a top 25 program. But with two back-to-back top 30 recruiting classes, I think it's definitely a chance. Yeah, I think it's extremely difficult from the not only to transition from such a unique style of offense to – kind of your traditional, what you see across college football, which is the spread game incorporating a lot of RPOs and the option game, which he's starting to mix in because that's the players that he has. The other thing is Georgia Tech is a tough job in general 
because you are really in the hotbed of Georgia, but you're surrounded by blue bloods, right? Clemson's only two hours away. Alabama's only two hours away. You also have to compete in-state with Georgia, and then you're competing with the likes of South Carolina. Now you've got UNC, which is, which is somewhat close by, Florida State. That's a tough job in general. So he definitely has his work cut out for him. But as we've seen here in the last couple weeks, and they've got that top 25 class here uh, early on, I think that's it's a really good indicator on his recruiting style because that's a tough place to recruit to. Which is which is crazy to me, Gless, because I, obviously there's blue bloods all around him, and I get it, the allure of going to a blue blood. But if I'm a prospect, I'd I'd have to put Georgia Tech on my list, me personally, because Gless, remember when you and I were in Buckhead, we were in Atlanta, and we were kind of just checking out the surrounding areas around Georgia Tech and stuff. That's an awesome place. Like I would love to go to college at Georgia Tech. Yeah. If I was a if I was a pretty decent prospect, it would definitely be on my top five to ten schools to put on my list. Yeah, I thought it was a it's a really cool atmosphere, but I would say in the if you look at the schools in the south, generally a lot of them aren't in big cities. So yeah. then you have Georgia Tech which is right in the middle of downtown Atlanta and it's so unique compared to everyone else that's around there. So if you're looking to go to school in a city and especially down to Hotlanta, uh, man, that's probably the school for you, especially and if you're a really good recruit coming in, you probably have a good chance of playing early. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, speaking of of playing in smaller areas, you know, we talked about obviously Georgia Tech being in hot Atlanta and, and and in a big city, but kind of pivoting to a, a, a school that's not in a big city. They're in more of a rural town in the middle of nowhere, Virginia, and that's Brandon Pastel's alma mater, James Madison University, also known as JMU. Uh, they're having a great recruiting class right now. Brandon, why don't you speak a little bit to that? Yeah, and I would love to do this every week, not just highlight a top 25 program, but kind of go to go in depth a little bit more on a, a smaller known school, an FCS school or kind of a G5 school. And this week just happened to be JMU because they had a phenomenal week in recruiting. They, they signed four three-star recruits. Now, from an FCS level, if you get one or two, that's a great year in the FCS recruiting trails. Right now, they're ranked according to rivals, the 77th ranked recruiting class, which is head and shoulders above every other FCS recruit mm-hmm. class and above major Power 5 programs like Oregon State, Utah, and a bunch of other programs like that. So kind of to kick mm-hmm. it off, the, the, only pro, the, only quarterback, the only player that wasn't a three-star recruit was the quarterback, Billy Atkins out of Baltimore. But if you really watch his game tape, the guy shows a lot of promise. And I, he might not be a, a day one starter, he, he, and he won't be at JMU. But I think he'd come in after a year or two of starting and definitely develop something special there at JM, uh, JMU in Harrisonburg, Virginia. But now comes the big-time prospects that we got that had multiple offers from multiple Power 5 and G5 schools in the FBS level. And the first guy is a linebacker named Bat, uh, Matt Benkowski out of Haymarket, Virginia. And then, mm-hmm. so that this guy is going to be a stud. But then, so I just want to kind of kind of run through them. Another three-star defensive ta- uh, defensive end or tight end. I think JMU is going to use this guy more at tight end. But he's from Roanoke, and that's Zach Horton. This guy, I think they sold him on the ability to kind of be the next Dylan Stapleton, who just got picked up in the NFL, who was JMU's tight end this past year on that national not championship team, but they went to the national championship that lost to North Dakota mm-hmm. State on the last play. A couple other guys, Skylar Martin. This guy had this guy had FBS offers from the likes of Vanderbilt, an SEC school, UVA, Louisville. He is 6'3", 215 pounds, mm-hmm. and he committed to JMU. So it's a it's a great step forward for JMU to Atlanta, a kid like this. 
And then you have another guy out of the out of state from uh, North Carolina named Jaseya Gaffins, and he's a six foot two, one hundred ninety pound kid who again had multiple offers from FBS schools, and mm-hmm. he chose uh, JMU. And, and really, the theme after reading a bunch of articles on these kids is the ability to play for a national championship type of team. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, I don't think a lot of these kids are getting recruited by Alabama, LSU, or national championship level teams on the FBS level. So why play for a mid-level team when you could possibly play for a national championship team on the FCS level and still get picked up in the NFL? Because that, that tends to be the trend with scouting these days that it doesn't matter where you play. If you're good enough, you're good enough, and you'll get picked up in the NFL. Yeah, I think a lot of these kids see the opportunity not only to play for a national championship year in and year out, but it's also an opportunity for them to kind of be a bigger fish in a smaller pond. You know, you're not getting you're not getting washed out with thousands of FBS prospects. You're kind of being able to show out a little more. You're being able to dominate a little more. You're being able to be the guy on your team and really show more on tape than maybe what you'd be able to and, and show more on tape earlier too. You're going to have more tape to show because you're playing sooner. So I, yeah. I think it's a, I think it's tremendous to see that. I, it's obviously great being a local Virginia guy to see local Virginia teams continue to do well and especially challenge North Dakota State, which obviously JMU and North Dakota State have pretty much been the alpha males of the FCS the past five years. And now my question my question is, we're seeing them recruit really well. I, they, I think they've always recruited decently well. But, but Brandon, the North Dakota and JMU typically tend to do better with bringing in transfers from FBS schools, correct? Yeah, they do. It's probably because of the facilities. And again, the time to still play on big-time programs like ESPN and Fox because you're playing those major games. So, one, JMU's facilities are better than, I'd argue, at least a third, if not half, of the FBS programs out there. And that's Mm -hmm. always always a good selling point in today's recruiting trail. And I think JMU does a very good job, as well as the Fargo Dome in North Dakota State. Now, not to mention that that program is just historically very, very good. I mean, they've won, I don't know off the top of my head, probably seven championships in the last eight or nine years. So I think they're getting these transfers because these transfers are coming in, and they know they're going to be able to play still in these major programs like ESPN, mm-hmm. Fox, and all that, and in big-time games to help elevate their play and play. Like If they just transfer to another school, then they're never going to play. But to counter that, the same thing, they're losing transfers, Kenny. They're losing guys like Jabril Cox who is their best defensive player, to LSU. Mm-hmm. So they're not only mm-hmm. getting people, but this, this team is so good that they're losing people to other major Power 5 programs like LSU. And honestly, Jabril Cox will probably be a top-five linebacker in next year's NFL draft. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I think one of the things that is awesome about JMU, and Brandon, as a JMU fan, you should be really excited, is not only are you bringing in these guys that are really – turning down SEC schools and ACC schools to come play at JMU. But, you know, like Kenny just mentioned, when it comes to transfers coming in, I mean, you guys get some big-time transfers. I mean, Brandon Polk Mm -hmm. last year, receiver out of Penn State, came in and was a man out there amongst boys. I mean, you could tell he was clearly one of the best athletes on the field, and I feel like JMU is constantly bringing in these transfers that played for big schools and whether that they got buried on the depth chart or they come in on their grad transfer year and they really come in and play outstanding so i think you as a jmu fan there's a lot to like about well, just, that program and, hi- and that and the consistency to win just to highlight a few this past year like guys that are coming for the first time to jmu this offseason we have guys from the likes of north carolina duke 
Minnesota, UConn, and UMass. And all these guys were either three or four-star prospects at that current university. And they're going to come to JMU because they probably weren't playing enough at that other program. And they're mm-hmm. coming to JMU like like a Polk and Shine most likely, and possibly get picked up in the NFL because they had that playing time to actually develop their skills. I'm glad they're staying consistent with recruiting and, and bringing in transfers because it's fun seeing teams, multiple teams, compete for a national championship. But it is kind of fun seeing the rivalry that is becoming JMU North Dakota State. Uh, obviously, it's been a little bit more one sided North Dakota State, but JMU is also a relatively new player to the game the last four or five years. So I, I really look forward to seeing them continue to compete for national championships and, and really continue on the, the rematch, rematch, rematch of the national championship. To me, I think it's the clearly the two best teams in FCS and why not have them compete year in and year out for the national championship. Now, kind of pivoting. In staying more on the smaller smaller school end, I kind of wanted to go over the top five G5 programs currently in recruiting, um, the top ten, and kind of just get your thoughts on what, what you guys see of this. So number one, we have Cincinnati, who's ranked 22nd in the nation. They're obviously in the AAC. SMU's number two, 27th in the country out of the AAC. Miami of Ohio is 40th out of the MAC. Toledo's 42nd out of the MAC. UTSA, the Roadrunners, kind of surprising me, out of the Conference USA, ranked 50th overall. Colorado State out of the Mountain West, uh, 52nd. New Mexico out of the Mountain West, 55th. Northern Illinois out of the MAC, 56th. Rice, 59th out of Conference USA. And University of South Florida out of the AAC, number 60. Now, the one thing I will say, I thought, after seeing number one and number two being Cincinnati and SMU, I thought there'd be more of a run on AAC teams, consider, considering they're more of like the Power Six conference. They're kind of that hybrid conference. But I'm really surprised UCF wasn't in there. I'm really surprised Memphis wasn't up there. That was kind of my takeaway from it. What was your takeaways from this? <laughs> Luke Fickle's gone. He is long gone after this oh, yeah. year, if not the next. I mean, he's got to be the oh, next. See, I, I, so I, know, I know he loves the state of Ohio. And the only other school that I think people think he would go to is Ohio State, which is obviously not feasible right now with the right. way Ohio State is trending up. I just think he's just – what he's done with Cincinnati, I feel like every coach that comes to Cincinnati, by the way, it's just like a, jump, a stepping stone for the it's next a building, school. building block, um, yeah. And as much as I would love to see him at Cincinnati to build a smaller school like that, he's just – the way he's recruiting and the way he's dominating, I think they won nine or ten games last year in the mm-hmm. AAC. I just can't yep. see him getting an opportunity at a major yeah. – uh, AAC or ACC or SEC school uh, this upcoming year. I I think what you see out of so if you run through those schools that you just mentioned, Cincinnati, Miami, and Toledo. Guess what state they're in? They're in Ohio. Ohio is an extremely rich hotbed of high school football talent, and I think you're just seeing their mm-hmm. ability to go in and and pick off two stars, three stars, even a couple four star guys in order to play at a school like a Cincinnati, at a Miami of Ohio, where they could go potentially to Ohio State, but they would get buried on the depth chart. So I think as you see Ohio State constantly ranking one, two, and three overall, I think that does nothing. I I think what that does for the rest of the schools in the state of Ohio is it kind of spreads out the talent a little bit. Because now Ohio State can really recruit nationally, which is what they've done well anyways. But I think, you know, it really spreads the wealth with some of these schools, like you said, with Luke Fickle and Cincinnati. Uh, I am a little bit surprised with Toledo and Miami of Ohio being so high early. But, again, like I said, state of Ohio, that's, that's great high school football they have there. So it doesn't surprise me that they're, that they're this high this early. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you, Brandon. I think, obviously, Luke Fickle's probably the top G5 guy out there in terms of 
the next coach to go to a P5 conference. I just don't know where because I, I the only thing I the only place I see that's going to open up potentially would be USC, maybe maybe South Carolina. I just don't know. I, there's been so much coaching turnover the last couple of years. I just don't know where it's going to go. And I think he wants to stay yeah. in that northern area, that area like the Ohio area, the the Michigan area, the maybe Pen- the Western Pennsylvania area. You know, I just I just don't think there's many P five opportunities around that area right now. I just yeah. don't see him going anywhere other than maybe USC. But I think Luke Fickle is going to go is going to build Cincinnati into a perennial New Year's Six powerhouse, and he's just going to wait and wait and wait until the perfect P five at this point until the perfect P five situation. Because if he didn't go this year, I don't foresee him coming. I don't see him coming. Uh, if he didn't go last year, I don't foresee him coming this year. Yeah, in my I opinion. was actually going to ask you. I, I was going to ask you guys that. Like, what do you think is the next? P5 big time program to come open and I, I'm running through my list and Kenny to your point I don't see many schools where this becomes an opportunity now I could see a school potentially like if this school had well, let's call it a seven and five season I could see Texas boosters that's that was what I was very thinking. happy I think I, I think that could potentially be one maybe USC I think USC would have to have an extremely subpar year in order to do that because you just have to look at the coaching prospects that are out there and you know what you just said i mean they're we had a big run these last two years so i'm not sure what power five programs well, open up here i think you guys are looking at it from a different perspective than i am you're looking at guys that are going to be fired i'm looking at guys that could possibly jump and take the next step what about lincoln Riley? we've been throwing his name around for quite a bit jumping to the nfl level so what about other guys like that? And like I said, Oklahoma going to the NFL. I mean, I think he would be that he could be that next coach at Oklahoma. That would be interesting. It'd be a severe coaching philosophy difference. That would be my only concern is you go from having these wide open spread offenses that are just throwing bombs everywhere to a guy who's really played kind of a a throwback style game everywhere he's gone. I mean, he was at Ohio State. He did well being the interim coach, but the offense took a step back when he was the interim coach there. And then he goes to Cincinnati, and let's face it, Cincinnati wins games the tough way. They win games running the football and playing great defense. You know, Ritter's a decent quarterback, but he's nothing all world. You know, their passing offense leaves a lot to be desired. So that would that would be, I think, it would be a good opportunity for him. I don't know if that would be the right fit for Luke Fickle. I mean, do you do you disagree with that, Brent Pasto? I just think they have so much talent in Oklahoma. I don't really know if it matters. It definitely matters, the offensive scheme you run. But they're getting top quarterback after top quarterback every single year on top of top five classes. It's not just the mm-hmm. quarterback. They're getting the linebackers, the running backs. They're having such a stellar recruiting class that I think as long as Luke Fickle can continue to recruit, you just get a good offensive coordinator, they're going to be fine. Oklahoma will be fine. They could probably he- use his expertise on defense too, by the way. Hear me, hear me out. I think the one perfect school that he could go to next year, potentially, and I don't think this is feasible because I don't think he'll get fired. But say he goes five and seven or six and six, and you know has another subpar season, and he'll definitely be on the hot seat in twenty twenty two. I think Luke Fickle would be the. I think he's the guy who could potentially turn around Nebraska, not Scott yeah, Frost. Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that that'd be a great spot for him to go to. That's right in his recruiting wheelhouse. Indiana I, is right there in the plains. That's a that's a. I think he would be very at home at Notre Dame. I think Scott Frost I, is fine right now. 
Yeah, I, I think Notre Dame Notre Dame would only o- open up if Brian Kelly gets a pro job, which again is not yeah. outside the realm of possibility. He's I believe he's interviewed for pro jobs before. I could be wrong on that, yep. but he's a guy that that's been pretty solid at Notre Dame. He's made a couple playoff appearances, you know. So if there was an opportunity for him to challenge himself, certainly that exists at the NFL level. I could see Notre Dame opening up just like you said, passed out for the fact that Lincoln Riley leaving for the NFL. I could see Brian Kelly being a coach that also takes the jump uh, if a, yep. an NFL franchise wants to go in a different direction instead of hiring a young offensive coordinator but instead taking kind of a proven college coach uh, that can identify with the pro game. Before we switch over to uh, some risers and fallers and some notable signings this week, I got one additional hot take. I don't think Scott Frost is the guy at Nebraska. I don't. I don't. I think it was a. I think it was a cool story. You know, the favorite son comes home from from being having great success at UCF, and I don't know, man. I just don't see it. The recruiting hasn't been there. The ta- the, the he hasn't been able to turn the the bump. The They've had back to back top twenty the, recruiting. The classes. bump. The bump. The bump hasn't been there. That they're talk. They're losing. They're losing recruit or guys. JD Spielman just left the team. Uh, who's their top receiver? I just. I don't know, man. I don't think. I don't think he's the guy. I just. I, I, I think that he was a victim of overhype last year. I never bought that they were going to be Big Ten West winners. I thought that was an absolute farce to expect that. But that I just don't see this pro- ever, by the way. I was yeah, with you 100%. I, I couldn't believe that yeah. people were on that train. What and remember we were having a we were having a tamper. Brandon's brother Scotty's a huge Nebraska fan. He was like, "Oh, I, he's going to be a Heisman candidate, and Martinez is going to be yeah, in the finals." No and I was like, "No way, man! Not they're not ready." But I just I don't think he's ever going to be more than an eight nine win guy. I think he's going to be Bo Pelini again. Well, Nebraska is a tough. Yeah, no, it's it's not a bad hot take. It's it's one that it actually may not end up being a hot take. Might be very true. He's got a lot to work out there because Nebraska doesn't have the star power it used to be like in the in the 80s and the 90s and even in 2000s when you could go on prestige I think that Nebraska prestige is not really there anymore I think it's hard to get kids to come to Lincoln Nebraska I think that the, if you are a four or five star guy I think that there's a lot of other places in the middle of the country that you could go a lot of it being Oklahoma Texas you know, you could go to Michigan, you can go. To, now, that's always existed, but Nebraska was always a blue blood. I'm not sure Nebraska is a blue blood anymore, and they haven't really been a blue blood blue blood in quite a quite a long time. So Tom Twister. My yeah, my thing is, is I think I think you I think if you're going to hire someone out there, I think it needs to be someone who can sell the program nationally. And Scott Frost just doesn't do that for me. He's a boring guy. He's not like you don't. He's not a very personable dude. And yeah, he does. He's okay. But he won I just a don't national think... championship, man. Oh yeah, yeah. You're gonna get me started oh, on that. Oh, you, you were holding that one in, weren't you, Pastel? What a you were joke. That one in. Yeah, national championship. Yeah, and their best team they Nothing beat all year bugs was Kenny more than talking about UCF winning a national championship. I love it. I love Jeez. it. There's not going to be a championship game. Oh. What? Why not? Central Florida has declared themselves national champions and they've, they've canceled the game. What? How can they do that? Well, they're undefeated and you're not. But we beat the number one team in the nation in the semis. And we just clobbered a current Heisman winner and beat five top 25 teams. They beat a three and nine UConn on the road and won the Peach Bowl. You're joking, right? This is a joke. They've already scheduled their championship parade. I'm sorry, boys, but it's, it's over. 
I don't know, man. I just think they need someone who can sell the program nationally. And to me, Scott Frost doesn't do that. I think he's always going to be an eight or nine guy at Nebraska. But that's just that's that's my take. And Brandon, why don't we get into some risers and fallers, some movers and shakers this week? Who's kind of moved up the rank and who's kind of moved down? And uh, why don't you touch on some notable signings this week as well? Yeah, I'll keep this pretty quick. So Michigan, they jumped up to number five. And remember, if y'all, if y'all see that thing on, I think it was ESPN or Sports Center, him doing flips. Mm-hmm. for some of the signings that he had this past weekend. So the, it was the inside linebacker, I think, uh, Jaden Hood. Everyone was doing flips up from the coaching staff on Michigan. So it was players like him and Junior Colson, another linebacker that was a four-star prospect, that has Michigan that was last week outside the top ten, now back in the top five this week. So huge week for Michigan. Guys, Maryland. Every week I feel like I'm saying something about Maryland at this point. They're now at 11. Mm-hmm. They're sniffing top 10 territory. When Honestly, Maryland's been irrelevant. Irrelevant this past decade. They, they've tried to do a few things here and there, but there's not, mm-hmm. they're having, you can see the turnaround starting to happen uh, in Baltimore there. And then, mm-hmm. guys, maybe this is just me. I feel like people disagree with me at this point. But even post-signing outside linebacker, who was it, Ian, uh, Ian Jackson, for Alabama, who's a four-star prospect, yeah, they're still number 34. Alabama's still number 34th ranked class in the in, in the country. I'm still kind of just waiting for them to hit big with all of these crystal ball predict, uh, predictions and jump in there into the top 10. I'm not saying they're not going to rise. I know they will. But right now, there's a lot of other programs signing big-time athletes, and it's not Alabama. So I am curious to see what they do. Now, well, the scary, thing with, the scary okay. thing with Alabama is they're 34th with only six commits. Like – to counter that, Wake Forest is 32nd, my favorite team, but they have 12 commitments already. So it, I think they're, they'll be top 10, I think, when it's all said and done. And I think they will be, but I, I do think this is a class that they risk. They're just not going to be as good as this year as they usually are. They're not going to be in that top – I won't even say top five. I don't think Alabama's going to be a top 10 class. I think they fall somewhere from between 10 and 20 this year. There's just not that many recruits left. If you look at the top recruits in this class, everyone keeps thinking there's going to be five stars that are going to commit with them down the road. More than half of this class, as far as five-star athletes, have already committed. Like I don't know where you think these guys are going to like who's left. Most of these guys have already committed that from like, the top-end talent. So maybe they just get a slew of lower-end four-star athletes that rank them up, that kind of bump them up. But if they don't, then... We're looking at a probably 10 to 20 ranked class. Interesting. Yeah. Now, uh, I'm just going to kind of quickly touch on some athletes that throughout the whole entire college landscape that signed this past week. So we got Clemson, of course, another four-star defensive end, Zaire Patterson. That was a big signing for them. Clemson, they're not – to reload. They are just reloading in that program. Pittsburgh, they picked up a huge – Running back. I know he's a three-star athlete, but I think if you look at his game tape, you could easily argue he's a four-star running back. And he also had offers from Virginia Tech, Maryland, UVA, Clemson, and other many more. And that's Malik Newton. So Pittsburgh picked up a huge time running back for them. Jack Pugh for Wisconsin, a four-star tight end. He is 6'5", 235 pounds. He's the number 12th ranked tight end uh, at his position. It's a huge pickup for tight end. It's like that stereotypical tight end, too, if you watch him. Like, he fits Wisconsin's brand perfectly. Like, country boy. You know what I mean? Uh, Michigan, I've already touched on them, so I'm not going to touch on them anymore. Kenny, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. Auburn picked up another four-star offensive guard, Jaden Roberts. Guess where he's from, yep. Kenny? The yeah, he's same, from Demotrius. Yep. Yeah, at the same high school as Demotrius Davis. Something's happening here. I think it's North Shore, Texas. 
Yep. I, I, I wonder if these guys talked before uh, Demetrius Davis decommitting for Virginia Tech and then eventually signing with Auburn. So that's an interesting signing. But, hey, Auburn, they're, they're making noise right now in the SEC. And I, dude, SEC, they, it's, it's unbelievable what they're doing right now. In mm-hmm. Washington, mm-hmm. Glessner, I'm sure you're going to love this. Number one, Juco tight end, Quentin Moore from Independence Community College. That's right. My, uh, that's uh, last chance you, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Chance, it is. It's the last chance you. Well, hopefully he's uh, going to be a good tight end for you guys here in the next few years. Minnesota, I've kind of missed them a little bit this past week. They had two or three signings, another three-star offensive tackle, Austin Barber, and another uh, three-star offensive tackle, Cameron James. So they got, they keep building in the trenches, so they're doing very well. UCLA got a strong, uh, strong side defensive end, Tyler Kenny. He's the number one player out of New Mexico, so good pickup for uh, UCLA. And then Virginia Tech, they got three-star Jalen Stroman, who obviously is the brother of Greg Stroman, who plays for the Washington Redskins. And the last thing I'm going to talk about is Boston College. They picked up they picked up three more recruits this past week. So Boston College from the ACC actually had a very uh, good week in recruiting, picking up three more players that I think you will see as three-star recruits. They're not ranked yet, but as soon as 247 Sports and Rivals kind of redoes their rankings, I can see all three of these players being three-star recruits. So great, great week of college football. Recruiting some big time players picked up. Can't wait for next week. And what's crazy is is this you know every day big recruiting news drops. So tomorrow there's just gonna be even more bombshells. Always as the especially now with there being such a lack of you know sports on television. This is such a great time to focus on recruiting and see what's going on because it's really moving at a lightning pace compared to the really ever historically there's so many people signing and bringing in so many uh, recruits daily it's it's really fun to see so as we wrap up i just want to remind everyone you can go ahead and subscribe and leave a five-star rating on apple pods for us as well as you can subscribe on all your favorite podcast apps and make sure to leave a review for us on apple Podcasts and spread this to your friends as well i'm kenny keller for brandon pastel and brandon glessner we'll see you next week